everybody to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. We're back. It's the same team as last week. It's as if we recorded these two episodes back to back. Don't believe it. It's not true. Season one, episode seven, you win or you die. We're, we are spoiling everything. Seven episodes in, seven seasons, we've watched all the spoilers that you could eat. If you've just, uh, if you don't listen to this, if you haven't seen the show, because that would be dumb. I am Jason Stell and I'm here with Kelly Gamont. Hello. Hi, Jason. Mon- uh, I want to. I want to point out to everybody: there is no middle ground. Uh, Monty Ashley is also here. Hello. Uh, I I think I'm going to choose win if those are the two options. And Brian Hamilton, I guess you die. <laughs> I told you not to trust me. <gasps> oh man. Okay. So lots of stuff happens in here. I'm going to take it bit by bit, as I always do in locations. We're going to start in an unusual location, which is. A tent on the road somewhere where there's a scene where we meet Tywin Lannister for the first time. Charles Dance. You know him. You, you love him, especially if you're I Liz. Uh, Liz Miles <laughs> loves, loves, loves Charles Dance. And uh, he's talking to Jamie. And the entire time he's talking to him, he is uh, skinning a, what is it? A dead it's a stag. You know, it's a stag. A stag. Yeah, it's a oh, you know, like uh, like the symbol of the Baratheons. Yes. He's Interesting. A, he's disemboweling and skinning a stag with his bare hands to show that he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Indeed. And there's uh, a moment toward yeah. the end of his diatribe where uh, he, after skinning the stag, he takes his hand and puts it right on Jamie's cheek. And I shrieked. <laughs> he had hot hands there. Monty, oh. you want to you want to talk about this scene? You were telling me, oh, I can't oh. wait. That's a, I mean, it, it is it is informative about. It talks about the plot a little bit. He says attacking Stark was stupid and then not killing him was also stupid. But it really is like, here's who the guy is who's behind the Lannisters. Here's how he thinks. And here are the familial relationships with the Lannister family. This will all be important. Yeah, like we've seen individual uh, Lannisters, but we haven't seen the guy in charge. And then we see Tywin, who is, first of all, completely cold-blooded, you can mm-hmm. tell because of the things he's doing to this stag while he talks. Also, you learn what he cares about, just family. He doesn't care about having the throne. He doesn't care about morality. He just cares about whether you can get things done. He is great. Um, he doesn't, he makes fun of Jamie for having been a glorified bodyguard for two kings, one a madman, the other a drunk. And nobody else is that open about how awful their kings have been. Mm-hmm. Just, as soon as you see Tywin, you go, oh, now I see how the Lannisters are so important because this guy's one of them. Yeah, it, it is. They are the there, there's a moment where in this episode is it in this episode? No, it's in the previous episode where Ned's sitting on the Iron Throne and and Jamie says, you know, you could have um you could have sat in it you know and you and you didn't and you know they they told me to get out of it and then you could have sat in it and it's like no 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 but it's like it is very interesting like the lannisters seem to be very content in a way to not have all the crap that goes with being the king but having complete control of everything and of course the plan here is essentially that cersei is uh you know the plan was not to have the king be a secret lannister but uh that's what is happening like they're 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 the power behind the and they've got the money right and then there's also that which is like they got the money so they they basically are in charge even no matter what the king wants to do they're content to pull the strings behind the scenes but without being the figurehead of the nation but also you can really see how the family has gone downhill drawing a line from tywin lannister to joffrey (laughs) 
<laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Some inbreeding issues there, perhaps. Time when Lannister, though, yeah, the, it's just a great scene. Like, we haven't seen him. He's been withheld until now. And now we see it, and it's like, oh, okay. In one so scene. So unbelievably good. Well, it also tells you a bit about Jamie at that point where... Uh, because you do see that he sort of feels like he's his own man and does his own thing, but there's still a moment there when you see him sort of hope that there's going to be a point where dad's going to say this tiny little piece of that thing that you did, you done good kid. Like, you know that he's like holding out for it and you can sort of see him like come to the realization as they're talking that that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's um, I, I like the idea that we've been just watching the kids this whole time, right? It's like and we see all the kids, and it's like, wow, who's their dad? Yeah. Oh, oh, like, I see, I see. During Robert's rebellion, when Robert was in his prime and Ned was in his prime, what was Tywin doing? Something cool, I bet. Yeah. Well, I, I like that <laughs> in this conversation with Jamie too. He's how he's like, look. Uh, your brother is who he is, but he's still family. He's the wor- you know basically the worst Lannister, but he's still a Lannister. Um, and and he also says like you you need to be you need to get it together, Jamie, because you got to run this family because your sister is a woman. So forget her, forget her, and there's your brother who's the imp forget him it's got to be you you're the only one and that like what a vote of confidence for jamie hey hey love your fancy swords get serious you have to take over (laughs) yeah why did you capture ned you shouldn't have done that also why is ned still alive (laughs) come on kid (laughs) can't do anything right dad god yep well that's it tywin lannister he'll be back he's important soon you'll see um let's go to winterfell where the wildling girl found in the last episode is the only survivor of that massacre where they tried to take Bran and it didn't work. It didn't she's working. She's working. And I like she has this conversation with Theon, right? Yep. Where he's lording it over her, like literally lording it over her and saying, You should call me Lord and all of that. And I just love I love the idea, and this this bears out in future episodes too, that the wildlings are outside of this ridiculous feudal system that they have in Westeros. And she's like, Why would I call you Lord? Why would I what what makes you better than me? Because she's from free folk. They don't yeah. do this crap. And she just doesn't get it. And Theon well, also, is a total loser. He's not even <laughs> Even a lord, like she's willing to concede. Well, like if you were a lord, but my I'd dad call you is lord. the lord of the Iron Islands. He says, so you're not a lord. Your dad is a lord. You said you want me to. It's like, oh, but that. But you're still supposed to call me my lord. And she's like, I, you, you suck. Basically, she picks him apart. She's yeah. she's this uneducated uh, person from beyond the wall, and she totally owns Theon here. It's amazing. It's, it's a fun character for- moment that this is the only time Theon gets to be like, you should call me lord, and it's someone they captured <laughs> yeah. in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's looking for a replacement for Roz. Like he's calling her an impudent little wench, yep, and he is. she's not into it. No, mm-hmm. she's not Was having Roz? it. Roz is the most famous whore in all of Westeros. Brian, get it? Get just yeah. Keep up. We'll get to her in a little bit. We'll get to her in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, he's totally like trying to do some negging here and put some moves on her, and uh, she she just doesn't she doesn't buy anything he's selling. It's delightful. And 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 it's delightful to see somebody outside the system. I because yep. I do think that that is. Look, I mean, we talk about this a lot. George R. R. Martin's point here is to show that the storybook romantic view of these kinds of stories it's actually really ugly and awful. 
and there is violence against women and there's like horrible violence and that the, the the people who are not the the rich are treated horribly and like that's the that's kind of one of the themes of these books is that your storybook ideals do not match what what reality of these kinds of periods would be and so i think having the free folk it's really interesting because she can puncture all those like oh well this is the system some of us are better than you and she's like no mm -mm, no and she's again uneducated from craster's house basically and uh she just uh thinks that he's full of it it's great it gave me a bit of monty python in that moment when she's like why you know, and and uh, like why she's supposed to call him my lord, and I was sort of waiting for her to kind of be like, I didn't vote for you, yeah. King of the Hill. <laughs> um, yes, and she calls him a southerner, which is also very funny. And I you're south that. of the wall, whatever. You're all southerners yeah. to me. And and and, and, and she has actually, a real good case there. Yeah, and my favorite line is, I don't know what impudent means. He's like, that's not the word. It's like whatever. Yes. Um, and, but there's going to be trouble there, and then the the uh, Septon comes in and. And uh, that's that, that points, breaks points out up. that Theon is also a prisoner and not actually a lord yes, of this castle. Indeed, indeed. And then she explains the important overarching plot point, which is she didn't mean to be stopped here at Winterfell. She needs to keep going to the south because the, all those creatures that you were told about, uh, they 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 haven't been, you know, oh, they've been sleeping for a thousand years or whatever. It's like they ain't sleeping no more. They're coming and we got to get out of here, which is uh, eventually somebody will listen. It will take like five seasons for that to happen but she's saying it now and that's winterfell that's it that's all we get it's nice to see tonks be established as a character i like her a lot and we see a lot more of her later <laughs> I, I yeah i hope that this character is given a name at some point hmm. because in the past i will be writing a recap of this episode and will get increasingly annoyed at having to call her that wildly lady yes. over and over and over again <laughs> what is her what is her name in the end i don't know is she oh, mira she's Osho? not mira is she osha uh, Osho? O- she, Osha? She's she's Osha, and they <laughs> rename Asha to Yara to keep that clear. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. okay. Asha is the book name of Theon's sister, but she's changed to Yara in the show because we already have an Osha. I'm surprised ah, that Osha okay. is not complaining about the working conditions in Winterfell. Oh, hey, okay, <laughs> let's it. move on. Uh, let's go, to, let's go uh, to the wall. How about that? Where right. uh, Sam misses girls, not that he actually, like would talk to girls but he liked having them around so he could see them and be scared and not that's talk to them. no better that's a still a little <laughs> creepy uh i i i like how that undercuts undercuts he's trying to like have a bro moment with john snow and he's like oh yeah i miss the girls and the, i didn't have any experience with them but i could have but i i didn't i think <laughs> I it's a little I'm tr- better i'm trying <laughs> as a little i'm trying but he, uh, he he's, degrees he's failing <laughs> trying but failing uh, but a horse <laughs> returns with no rider it's benjen's horse that a well-trained horse that I can't like that be good horse. yeah well the horse has been trained to come back apparently and go right it's through a the it's little a Tesla uh, horse it is it's got a it's a level three horse uh navigation wise um anyway the uh it's time everybody for the 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 greatest day in the life of anybody in the night's watch which is their induction day and so to start it all out there the uh the lord commander gives a really awesome speech about how how all of you are worthless and mostly rapists have no <laughs> friends and have no honor 
Enjoy, everybody. So inspiring. <laughs> I just wrote down, this is terrible. What? This is the worst inspirational speech ever. You are <laughs> mostly rapists, and you have no friends and no families and no honor. But hey, Night's Watch, again, with the negging, right? It's like, but we love you. So, well, <laughs> we will accept you. We don't really love yeah. you, but, it, but it'll we, be fine. Yeah. Wisely ignoring the speech, John indulges in a new kind of ironic foreshadowing where he says, yeah, I'm going to be a ranger, but Sam, it's okay to be a steward. Stewards are very honorable. Yes. You can't complain about being a steward. Yeah. I hope this doesn't come back and bite me at in least, a scene or two. Yeah, at least there's food if you're a steward. So that there there is uh, that'll be great. Um, so, uh, they, d- John says he's going to take the oaths with the, uh, in the heart tree on the other side of the wall because he prays to the old gods and Sam wants to go too. And uh, this is a very sweet moment where they say, well, do you keep the old gods? And he's like, no, I, where I grew up, we praised to the seven, but they never answered. <laughs> they were kind of useless. So I'm going to try the old <laughs> gods out and hang out with my buddy. And they're like, all right, that works. We don't care whatever you're a theological free agent that seems we got we uh, got to open the gate for the one guy so anybody else who wants to go with him it's fine whatever we we had to carve this real dumb looking face on a tree so (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so anyway john uh john and and sam go out there and they do their thing and they take their oath and they you know now rise as men of the night's watch and uh oh no that's later that's later they will do that but first first they have to hand out the assignments and it's like bob to the rangers joe to east watch you're screwed you gotta go to east watch that place no comment about his nose sam you're you're gonna be a (laughs) steward uh john you're gonna be a steward too what Now, apparently, John wanted to be in combat, but he's being assigned as the ass- the assistant to the general. Yes. He's going to write all his letters and take his notes, mm. but he really wants a command of his own. Hmm. You could write a musical about you a guy could, like that, is all I'm could, saying. You could. You <laughs> could. In 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 Night's Watch, you can be a new man. Anyway, Night's Watch, you can be a new man. J O N S N O W. Something about being a bastard. Uh, we'll work on it. We're, we'll workshop yeah, this. The Jon Snow musical. It'll be great. Um, I so this is great because John. Th- I, what I like about this scene is um, who is John? Which is he's earnest kind of glum um he's earnest now that's a whole okay sorry uh (laughs) sam is he's got all the book learning right sam is smart but uh socially awkward and uh he just wants to read and he is has no physical prowess at all and and this leads to this really and and wants to be a friend and is friendly to John and John is friendly with him. And then we get this moment where John feels like he's been totally hosed and maybe he shouldn't even take the oath and he should leave because he doesn't want to be a waiter essentially. And Sam is the one of course who perceives correctly, which is look, the old bear wants you to be his steward, personal steward. This means he is basically training you to be his replacement. And this is good and you should shut up and take the oath and, <laughs> and do your job. Call me son one more time. Right? Just like, yeah, exactly right. That's right. Um, it must be nice. It must be nice to have Gior Mormont on your side. Uh, so they take the oath then and, uh, and then Ghost brings back a human hand and forearm. That's gross. North of the wall is gross. 
does the oath kind of remind you of Darkwing Duck at points when they talk about being like, I am the guardian in the night, I am the terror and all that? <laughs> Uh, I've never seen Darkwing Duck. I would say that I'm too old for oh it, gosh. but Monty, you're my age and you know it, so I don't. I just never saw it. I guess. Right. Okay, it does now. Now that Monty, has right. said I, so, I, I always took it too. to be. It, it reminded me of all the thi- all of the chants that the Minbari do in Babylon Five. It's the same. We stand mm. between the candle and the flame. You know, it's culty kind of stuff. A culty kind of oath. But um, I like that they do it. Just the two of them in front of the tree with the creepy eyes. And I do like that. Now stand, you knelt as boys. Now stand as the men of the Night's Watch or whatever, which they can't say to everyone because there's lots of older people who also come to the wall. They don't kneel as boys. They just kneel as, I guess, rapists and people without friends and honor. They say that to the, you knelt as rapists, but you stand as men of the Night's Watch. Yay. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, uh, ghost, lead lead a dire wolf, let them forage, and they're going to come back with body parts north of the wall. That's what I'm saying creepy and that that (laughs) means already ghost which in the books is always at john's side that he shows up at the end you're like oh yeah you've got a dire wolf don't you yeah well i'm (laughs) still able to use it like a big a big white like a simoniad or something and as a double for for the dire wolves they're not so big yet anything more about uh should we go across the sea across the sea take a little peek let's book our passage to uh to the narrow sea i think sir alistair looks kind of like matt besser okay that's all. All right. He, Let's go across the sea. Okay, across the sea it is. There's lots of Dothraki being spoken. We got lots of subtitles. Um, we learned some important points about how, <laughs> how uh, Khal Drago is like, no, you can't take horses across the water. Yeah. That doesn't... Let me explain to you. Horses don't go on water, but we'll put them on boats. No, that doesn't... You, that won't work. You mean the big wooden horse, he says, sounding kind <laughs> of like an Indian <laughs> in a bad Western. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's like, no. That- no, no, no. We we can we could totally do that. And he's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And and this talk of like the iron, th- your 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 metal chair. And she's like, it's a throne. It's an iron throne. He's like, whatever. Kings don't need chairs. They sit on horses, dummy. Like I, it, it's it is. It's very much like Galdrogo is really good at what he's good at, which is being a horse lord. And all this other nonsense from Westeros. He's he'll put up with her talking about it, but he's like, this is nonsense forget it like oh yeah we're horse people let's just be yeah. horse people okay but it was to me it was also a bit mansplainy like he oh, is totally. explaining to King, her King's, how the world works it's kingsplainy and dothraki-splainy <laughs> yes. and mansplainy all together well, which is like you just don't so, understand horses she's like 14 though so yeah but yeah, she's but she's like but oh we could take horses and put them in boats and put them over there and you we could take the army and we could take the and he's like no 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 dear Horses don't go on boats. Horses run around in the grass. <laughs> and it was very like listening to him cosplay that was yeah. a little, you know, as he's like, there's no like there's no world that counts, you know, on the other side of the narrow sea. And she's yeah. like, I'm from there. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just forget all that. Stay here with me and the horses. Come yeah, on. It was I thought but I thought it was kind of interesting. Like she had that point and then like they talk a little bit and it sort of feels like he doesn't believe her, but he's not mad about it or anything. Like he wasn't upset that they had this yeah. conversation that she was trying to get him to do something interest you know, do something else and you know conquer more of the world so i and this is at the end of it it was a nice moment between the two of them it's a fun scene it is obviously just a setup for his turn later in the episode which we'll get to momentarily but it is a fun moment of the idea here is the dothraki 
um, don't have a vision to conquer the world. They have a vision yeah. to uh, do the stuff that they do. And, and Or maybe there's like a, a, a global vision of like taking over the whole world, but it's like somebody else's problem. He just wants yeah. to run his Kalasar and that's really all that he wants to do. He cares uh, not for the many dirts beyond the The many dirts. Lands. Even the many dirts lands. where she is. Um, yeah. So so then there, there's time to do some uh, some shopping. So Daenerys and and uh, and Jora go out shopping with uh, other people, and uh, at this point, I wrote down nobody cares that Viserys is dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, let's do some shopping. Whatever. Your brother's your brother's yeah. dead. Let's go to the mall. It's, yeah, we don't even get fun. a scene where Daenerys says. I miss Viserys. No, I don't. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. It's just like, what a relief, that guy. Oh, boy. Boy, it's nice to not have him. But there's, the worst. there's a wine merchant. He's like very patter. Oh, like this is wine. Oh, you are from Westeros. Oh, well, uh, you, this you might like this wine. Oh, you're uh, Daenerys Targaryen. This wine is crap. Let me pour it on the floor here theatrically. I've got a whole cask of the very best Arbor okay, Gold. Is this the best assassin Varys could find? <laughs> this guy's entire plan was to stand there selling wine, wait for somebody to come up, introduce herself as Daenerys Targaryen, and then he'll go get the poisoned wine. That's how we're so going to kill her. I have some. I have some headcanon here, which is that okay. he's trying to infiltrate, and he finds that there is some. That 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 she's gonna go out shopping in the market or something, and so he's like, "All right, well, tomorrow then I'm gonna disguise myself as a as a merchant, and he maybe ties up or bribes or kills a wine merchant and takes their stock or whatever it is. I mean, it probably just pays them off and is like, aha, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna get her this way.' And he would have tried some other way. He he had to ingratiate himself and figure out the right the right angle there. But you're right, on the face of it, it's like this is a real shot in the dark. Like that Daenerys is gonna go <laughs> wine shopping sometime, and you can just. And introduce herself. Yes. Well, right. yeah. Like, he didn't recognize that she's the palest person in the entire scene. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're from Westeros. Hmm. Who do I know from Westeros? <laughs> oh, you're Daenerys Targaryen. Let me check my notes. Yeah, let's see the white hair mm. and super pale. And oh, right, right. Anyway, uh, th- it does lead to that fun moment where where it's like, oh, pour a sample. You could drink this. No, no, no. You drink it. Oh, I'm not going to drink it. I, I am not. Oh, no. not for, It's not for me. No, no. You will drink it. It's like, all right, I'll drink it. Whoop. And then he tries to run away and does not get far. When they're arguing, there's some real cool close, extreme close-ups of people nervously looking at each other yeah. all sweaty. Yes. It reminds me of like a fistful of dollars. Yeah. 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 I was going to say it's a little like a poker poker game or something, yeah, right? Yeah, Where yeah. everybody's looking at each other. Yeah. And then, and then, but then there is that moment where it's like, well, he'll drink it if it's not poison. And it's like, yeah, the jig is up. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, throw the, throw the wine. Oh, run. I'm going to, no, it's not going to work, dude. Um, and his punishment is he has to run behind the Kalasar until he gets tired and then he falls down and they drag him and he dies. And that's his punishment. Um, but uh, the, as Jorah points out, uh, um, Robert Baratheon will keep on coming. And this is where we get uh, Drogo. Uh, Drogo is upset. Um, you know, Robert's not gonna, you know, they're not going to kill my son. They're not going to kill you. Um, he, he thanks Jorah. The greatest gift any king could give anybody ever, which is any horse you want is yours that is my gift to you pick a horse any horse 
which which is clever because <laughs> it caps the, cla- caps the amount of the gift at the best horse ever, which is still just a horse. Now, the way you said that made me think that there's a magic trick coming. Yeah, pick, pick a, a horse, horse. Any horse. <laughs> is right this up. your horse? <laughs> That's amazing. It is now. I, I can it is because I'm the call. I'm the call. I just said it's your horse <laughs> oh. and it is because I say it. I- I would have thought you had that up your sleeve, but yeah. our people don't believe in sleeves. I just, I just like the idea that, like, you know, <laughs> can he pick a golden horse that's worth a lot of money? No, it's just, no, you just got a horse, but you can have a really nice horse. All right. I like it. It's like, that's how they think. But, of course, he gets really worked up, and he's like, and I'm pissed off now at this Robert Baratheon guy for trying to kill my Khaleesi, and we are going to put our horses on those wooden boxes and ride them or whatever you do with a boat to get them across and we're going to kill all those people over there and and he goes on and it's like yeah we're going to take the seven kingdoms and they're just like yay and then he's like and we're going to rape everybody and I'm like mm-hmm. oh now Jason Momoa is so good in this scene <laughs> ranting in a language not only that he doesn't speak that nobody, nobody speaks yeah right but like even though you know that it's a made up Dothraki language he's really convincing in it and I will say it really reminds me of the West Wing episode Two Cathedrals, where after ah. Mrs. Landingham died, Martin Sheen has to give a big angry speech in Latin to God in a church. Right. And again, you know what this character is feeling every step of the way throughout this speech where you, neither you nor the actor speak the language. Yeah, I said nice things about Jason Momoa last week, but it goes double double for this episode. He's great. He's super charismatic and he's fiery and he's, you know, he's got different ways of seeing the world than we're used to. And you see him go from the his his call splaining early in the episode and here he's just <laughs> so furious that they're trying to kill Daenerys. He's like, "All right, we're going to do it. We're going to take that guy down. We are going to burn Westeros to the ground because I'm angry." <laughs> and it's a it's 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 a great scene and then they uh, walk out of town and uh the wine assassin is naked uh full frontal and uh gonna die and that's it that's all we have across the narrow sea for this week i watched this episode with truge and she mentioned i, I mentioned oh wow there's finally a, a fully nude man on uh, on camera because uh, hbo is nothing if not an equal opportunity mm. objective uh, objectifier and uh, this truge is not the first time we saw theon's ding dong we, we did yeah. exactly exactly but what uh truge pointed out that uh it's it's never a sexual thing when you see a fully nude man, whereas almost every uh, fully nude woman is in a brothel or in yeah. a sexual scene. Yep, somewhere. that's a hundred percent true, and we're going to see that later on. Indeed, uh, I will say that Theon was having sex when we saw him naked earlier in the series. That's indeed, true. indeed, that's true. But it's not it's not fair in any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Yeah, no, um, no, this it's is not titillating. I was although, I was going to say, although he's not me, naked, we see plenty of Jason Momoa and. Yeah, I was. I think that dude works out. I think maybe he's <laughs> having some protein Wait, shakes. So back to him for a second. Yeah. Um, in watching this, um, because when I was rewatching it, because I already had a vague idea of what it was he was saying, um, I ended up watching this particular moment twice because the first time through, I was just watching him talk, and like you said, you know, I know what he's feeling. I know, you know, I'm listening to the change in his voice as he talks about like. Like, this is where I am, and this is how I feel about it, and now this is what I'm gonna do. And 
listening to him sort of rile up everybody as he's having his moment and then going back later and watching it with the subtitles to figure out oh yeah that's exactly what he did in fact say like yes i am going to get on boats we are going to do this we do need the iron chair and but the first time through (laughs) i sort of forgot to to watch the subtitles of it and just watched him it's chew a, on the scenery yeah, and it was hun- amazing honey we're gonna go to your dirt and we're, i'm gonna sit on your chair <laughs> that's Unless what's gonna happen I die unexpectedly <laughs> later <laughs> anyway okay well it's it's king's landing time let's get through oh the things that happen in king's landing so um so uh ned confronts circe says i know that you and jamie are the parents of your children and Circe says, you know, I actually did, uh, I was giving it a go with, uh, with Robert, but all he would ever do is talk about, uh, he, he took me to bed and said Lyanna Stark's name. So, and all, you know, in here she mentions the Targaryens did this all the time, which people forget a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, uh, that is the great double standard here is this, the, the great, I mean, I guess the issue here is that she's married to the king and not married to Jamie, but the Targaryens mm. married each other and had babies together all the time. That is true. That's part of the thing. So it, it is the, the, uh, taboo here would seem to be a little overstated. I think that's always been a problem that I have with the, the way the culture is portrayed. Like this is a culture that was super okay with incest for a whole dynasty that just ended. And now they're like, oh, unthinkable, you know, uh, no, hmm. not because we see it really. in Dorne as well. Isn't it Dorne? Am I thinking of the right people? The, the, um, the, the pretty people who live in the sun and wear little flowing robes and stuff. Those people. Yeah. yeah. Least, uh, poison a, lipstick, lots of eyeliner. Yeah. That's, yeah. They're um, at least a little incesty. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Because they even say like, it doesn't have the stigma where we right. live that it does here apparently right. so or whatever, it, however she puts it. So yeah. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a thing. But anyway, he, he's like, yeah, the, the key thing here is the heir to the throne is not actually the heir to the throne. And I'm going to tell Robert when he gets back. Uh, that'll go. That'll be great. Uh, and she Next says, time we speak, mm-hmm. as we've established going, previously. And I'm going to warn you that I have something coming, so <laughs> prepare. Okay, bye. Yeah, and of course, as, as she says intelligently here, the important thing that's got the... It is not only the name of the episode, it also contains the name of the show, which is when you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. And guess what, Ned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so yeah that's a, that seems like a tactical error there but but we we know where ned ned's all righteous and he's like aha i'm gonna uh, you know and and from ned stark's perspective as we go here we'll see that this is clearly how he's thinking which is by the letter of the law um joffrey is not going to be the king because he's not robert's son it's very simple um c- kind of ignoring that enforcement of the law depends on who's got the power Mm. and he doesn't have it and he can't just you point at the paper in fact pieces of paper will be torn up later so that's how much that's how important the paper is anyway um we have to move on to our most important segment which is let's check in on Roz, the most famous whore okay. in all of westeros <laughs> there's a moment here that for me is the grossest most objectionable thing in the entire series uh-huh Right after uh, the Ned Cersei scene, we see some naked children outside the brothel, and then we cut directly from the naked children to the gross sex scene inside the brothel. Mm-hmm. 
I would prefer that they keep naked children out of the show. Yes. And if they're going to be in the show, not put them right next to sex. Hear ye. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And then the actual scene is the most sex position thing ever. It is is the most (laughs) and worst sex position. It is literally... Now, so what what I like about this scene is that I enjoy the fact that Littlefinger is basically like a director or, or although what I what I uh, he's basically auditioning them as prostitutes. And what my and note side is coaching them. Yeah. Like, my, uh, a little more of that. A little yeah, more of this. Yeah, my note is he's their director. And then I just wrote down. He's just a small businessman, local business, yeah. employing lots of people. Super important <laughs> for the community. Super important <laughs> for the economy. He's literally just directing them about like how and, and you talk about mansplaining and callsplaining. <laughs> like this is a man basically saying, "Hey, ladies, let me tell you how to be a prostitute." Because I, I mean, know. <laughs> okay. I, would watch I that just as- <laughs> laughed at like when he starts telling them their jobs. I was sort of like, really. Really? Like, so I'll be that, honest. I tuned out during this scene. Oh yeah, because I was very like, eh, I'm totally understand. They they stopped doing the sex position thing for a while after this, but I really just tuned out. And then this is once this is, the scene ended. Yeah, and Littlefinger went. You want to know what I did after I uh, made that bet? I was like, whoa, what? What just happened? What are you talking about? And it was such a big leap from like gratuitous sex to whatever the heck Littlefinger said immediately after. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if this were a scene in a show that was a procedural about how to run a fantasy brothel, <laughs> it would still be pretty boring. Yeah, I think this is one of those. The sex position stuff is really a sign of them not knowing what show they're making. And like, you know, I feel like very much when you get on premium cable, you're like, how are we going to get naked people and sex into this show? And we'll insert it in. I know we'll use it to hide our exposition and we'll have a guy give a speech while two women are uh, are, you know, alternating and who's going to be the man and who's going to be the woman and and practicing their moans and groans and stuff. And it's like, OK, like this is not a decision that these guys would, who ran the show would would have made even maybe two years later, three years later. But like at this time, they they're like. Well, I guess this is what our show is, and now it sort of sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, oh yeah. boy, this is so this is so painful. Other than again, I chuckle at the fact that Littlefinger is doing this uh, character wise, but it's it's uh, super yeah. awkward. There there are some good lines. Um, at one point, Roz says, "Look, what they don't know won't hurt them," and he is like, "No, what we don't know will kill us." right which is like this is his this is his philosophy of life and he says only by admitting what we are can we get what we want we are learning about Littlefinger here but this is a dumb scene it's really dumb we know know he's in love with Kat Stark yeah but he tells the whole story again oh my god soul bearing story to these two like essentially random women yeah Yeah, we know he just met Roz yeah and so Uh. to me that was the part I think for me that's what makes it stick out so much is that he's very much like bearing his soul to these two random women and you know if right? he's just working through some stuff like that's couldn't not they, how they, isn't this important information he must feel feel that there's zeros literally zeros it's like well yeah but couldn't one of them be passing information on to Varys or something like that like maybe he knows one of them used to live at winterfell, at winterfell right? yeah basically yeah it, it is it is baffling also the most confusing thing about this entire scene is at no point does Roz say do i look like i just fell up 
fell off a turnip truck. The turnip cart. I I've I waited for so long for her to say that, and I don't think it ever happened. Oh, I little finger. I didn't just fall off the turnip cart. Well, she's in a job interview. She's you know. Yeah, she, it's true. She's trying to dress to undress to impress. I guess. Um, <laughs> mm. Wear the lack of clothes for the job you wish you had. <laughs> It's not, yeah. It is like a. We may see more. We may see worse sex position yet to come. But so far, this is like, I, I, Monty. You're absolutely right. It is like the the perfect example of everything that is bad about sex position. It is literally boring dialogue while two people are having sex. Like. What? And it didn't ah. make it like it didn't make any sense together. Like at least sometimes when you get sex position, it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Like why the person is saying what they're saying. There's a as, thematic match. As things are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But in this case, absolutely not. And I think that almost makes it worse because it's almost like they didn't try. They were like, well, it's been 15 minutes. We probably need some sex. Yeah. Yeah. Like at, I like the scene where Tywin is undressing a stag even though it has nothing to do with what anyone's talking about, because that's an interesting that's behavior. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's your position? Yes. All right. Bad news about Robert. Yeah. Robert, Robert had a hunting accident. Uh, too much wine. Uh, gored by a boar. He's going to die. He's got a horrible, oh, no. horrible... Oh, Was he gored by the last scene? All right. Mm, he's horrible, horrible uh, uh, wounds that cannot be healed. Um, he His last message for Ned is that he should be the regent and rule the, the kingdoms until Joffrey comes of age. Um, I'm going to dictate this with no witnesses in the room, yeah. so you can slightly change my words and not tell anybody until it's too late exactly. to matter. Exactly. So, so Ned writes down, rightful heir comes of age instead of Prince Joffrey, and but Robert signs it, and he as he's walking out, he also says, you were right about Daenerys, let her live. Um uh, we, we find he goes outside. He finds out it was Lance Lannister who kept giving him the wine, which we kind of saw last week. And um, but again, even the Daenerys thing, it's sort of like it's kind of too late, and nobody has witnessed any of this. And Ned doesn't show anybody the thing. Um, in fact, Renly comes to him as his brother is dying and says, "Look, uh, we got to move now. We got to kick yeah. <laughs> Cersei out of. You got to kick kick Cersei out of King's Landing, send her back to Lannisport. You got to grab Joffrey." Um, and this is not about the line of succession, uh, because as he, you know, points out, good soldiers don't necessarily make good kings. And Ned says, "No, Renly, we're not gonna, we're not gonna play it this way." Which is a huge moment. I mean, this episode is full of them. It's a huge moment of divergence here, right? Like Ned could have said yes, like let's do it, let's get rid of Cersei. I've already warned her. Let's take him. But he's like, no, no. But Joffrey is, um, Joffrey's no good. And Renly's whole point is. Um, and, and, and Littlefinger's point is here's the winning move. Stannis isn't worth it because he's like, oh, but Stannis would be the rightful heir, not Renly. And he's like, no, no, you use Renly. Um, you bring Joffrey along. If the Lannisters make trouble, we just reveal that Joffrey is a fake and Renly's the king then. And we take control. And again, Ned's like, no, I'm not interested in it. And this is the pivot point because Ned doesn't, Ned believes the right thing to do is the letter of the law, which is essentially that Stannis should be the king because Stannis is next in line if there are no other heirs. Unless you want to like go talk to Gendry down at the forge, but let's not get there. He's a bastard. Not, it doesn't count. Yeah. He's not a rightful heir. He's not know. a rightful heir. So, uh, so it's Stannis and that is 
is politically ridiculous. He's got all sorts of other people lined up that he could that he could make a move on. Littlefinger knows it. Renly knows it. And Ned's like, no, I'm going to do this by the book. And by the book doesn't work because again, if nobody pays attention to the book, then you got right. nothing. He and the thing that that killed me about watching this happen was when he's like, "Well, Renly, it wouldn't be you; it would be Stannis," uh, because the line of succession. And yeah. Renly points out Robert didn't care about the line of succession. Indeed. That's how he got to be yeah. king. Yeah. And if Ned, Ned still could have had his way if he'd acted a little more sensibly. But like, if right now he started showing people that paper that said, "You all guys all know." Like the king said, I'm the Lord Regent. We all agree that right now. While Robert's king, I'm going to be Lord Regent. Yeah. Or he yeah. could start telling people right now, those kids aren't the real heirs. But he waits so long and. Uh, what yeah, idiot. he thinks he's going to do, I don't know what. He's going to have a big moment. And by the time he gets to the throne room, Joffrey's already sitting on it. Cersei's already sitting next to him. And the game is over. And Ned still doesn't really get it. He thinks he's got the City Watch to, to remove them because Littlefinger said, sure, sure, the City Watch. But of course, they've been paid to double cross him. Uh, Renly has, Renly has legged it because Renly knows that it's not going to go, it's going to go for the Lannisters at this point. And they say, all hail King Joffrey, uh, Barristan, does read Robert's note, but Cersei does exactly what you would expect. She tears it up. We have a new king now. She ignores yep. all the precedent. And why? Because she can. And she gives Ned a chance. Even though... Bend the knee. Ned, yeah, just, Ned, you lost. If you bend the knee right now, you can go back to Winterfell and everything will be fine. And Ned's like, no, that wouldn't be right. Yep. He's not the rightful heir. Ugh. Okay. Like, and... You know, that was that's for me, that's the point where I lose a lot of the fondness that I had for him and a lot of the sadness I'm supposed to have when this all finally happens to him. Yeah, he got jobbed. But at the same time, he sort of stood there and was like, yeah, I see the freight train a coming, but I have every right to stand on these tracks. You I'm know? the complete opposite, <laughs> Kelly. I was like, I was rooting for Ned so hard and watching this over again reminded me of how crushed i felt when he was doing all the right things he finally comes into his own he finally comes into some power to say no i'm gonna do the right thing and then of course he gets killed and it's well, one of the saddest things in tv no i'm with him <laughs> oh, until we get Go to ahead. this point we get to this point where cersei gives him the chance to like admit that she won even though it wasn't fair. And I feel like that's what the whole conversation between the two of them was, was like, I won at this, even, you know, because I did it the way I wanted to. I didn't do it your way. Your way didn't work. <laughs> yeah. And, I and he's like, yeah, you know, and you know what? I, you know, but my way was the right way instead of like, you know, when the battle lose the war, you know, he didn't, he didn't have any, long game in this he's just like but my way was right and she's like but my way won and he's like but my way is still right but his and way i want to say that his way is only right by the letter of the law right. which we know by this point the letter of the law in westeros is very very stupid robert right? is king because they ignored the letter of the law right the letter Correct. of the law is a system that the people in power 
put in place to have the system run, but you have to be the person in power to do that. And again, not to get too political here, but this is an example that I've seen in American politics, right, where one party will be like, oh, well, we can't, you know, we can't appoint any judges because we have this rule that says that these senators can block judges, and we have this rule that says that this senator can block a hearing, and so we're going to play by the rules, and then the other party comes into power, and they're like, yeah, those rules, they're gone, and here are all of our things. And it's like, that that is the difference, right, is you can be like, well, we're going to honor this, these norms, but you have to, if, if, if you live in a world where the other and side so does not follow the norms, you can't follow the norms because right. there are none like it's it's got to be consensual agreement on the laws if if nobody can you know has a consensus nobody agrees to the laws there are no laws and ned doesn't get it he yeah. just doesn't get it and that's, I just the, that's I'm why the i got I'm- frustrated I just realized I'm the person I made fun of last week when uh, I said, oh, you're fighting. You fought without honor. Well, it doesn't matter because I won. And now I'm that person. You're fighting without honor. Well, it doesn't matter. They won. Ned's not fighting with honor. His whole move comes down to he thinks he paid off the city watch to have a coup. Yeah. And he's got dirt on the on the the, uh, prince. And knows that he shouldn't be the king. So Ned, you're you're right. He's got he's paid off the city watch, and he's got dirt, and he thinks this is going to allow him to navigate the situation to the way the world works. And it is more painful because he has Renly and Littlefinger say, "Here's the move." And and I, I'm I feel like Littlefinger is speaking the truth at that point to Ned, right? Which is like, "Here's the move," and Ned's like, "We're not going to make that move." And Littlefinger's like, "All right, well, I know what my next move is, and it's not going to be you, dummy." And that's it. Yeah. But I do believe that in the in that moment, Littlefinger's kind of like up for the up for the Renly business because he because also Littlefinger wants chaos and he knows it's going to be Renly and there's going to be a war anyway, right? Because it's going to be Renly and the mm-hmm. Lannisters and Cersei's going to run and, and and it's all going to be a war anyway, which benefits Littlefinger. But he thinks. I I do believe Littlefinger believes that that the Renly move is the best is the best play. Ned refuses to make it, and so he moves to the next best play, which is Cersei and Joffrey. Yeah. Last week, even Roz knew because just because of the Stark <laughs> Lannister situation, every able-bodied man is about to be in a war. Yeah, and here so, here yeah. it is. The, she the told fa- us last week. Yeah, Roz yeah. knows. And just the fact that after Ned lost, Cersei still said. You can go back to Winterfell if you bend the knee. Yeah. And Ned, that's where Ned could have not been so tied to his idea of honor. And his idea of honor gets him killed. It does horrible things to Sansa and Arya and all of his family gets, gets mm-hmm. robbed, um, killed. I mean, really, a million peasants get killed. It, indeed, because because of what Ned conceives honor to be. Otherwise, the Baratheons would have tried, you know, with some alliance to try and attack the Lannisters at King's Landing. The North would have mm-hmm. basically stayed out of it, and yeah. uh, they they would have put down the Baratheons almost certainly, Stannis or Renly or both, and that would be. That would be it, right? And Joffrey would be king, and the Lannisters would have power, and that would be, and and the Starks would uh, swallow their pride and stay up there in the north until all the White Walkers come and kill everybody. But and I think yeah. I think that's where I get so frustrated is because like even after she won, she gave him the opportunity, and he put, but I'm doing the right thing yeah. above above all of those people above Cat 
and Sansa and Arya and Rob and even John. How, how many people and, need to give him a move where they're like, here is a move that gets you out of this. And he always yeah. says no. Yeah. And like, and I understand the, I understand the first ones when he's like, but that's not the right thing to do, but that's not the right thing to do. And in this case, you know, he could have left and still have left with honor. Like I tried to do the right thing. It didn't work for me, but I can still sleep at night in Winterfell, you know, with my family and have my family and all of us would be in the north and we would be far away from the matters that happen in King's Landing and we wouldn't care. And he still didn't take that opportunity. I think that's the one that, that bothers me because it sets up all of this woe and heartbreak and tragedy for every one of his direct family members, for his wife, for his sons, for his daughters, for his nephew, spoiler alert, for all of those <laughs> things, for all of those people. And then, and, you know, and even even Theon, you know, who lives in his house, even though he's technically not a member of his family, all of those people meet worser fates because Ned couldn't have just sucked it up yeah. and said, fine, I'll go home. And he could have gone home and then joined with the baratheons and leading a rebellion right. if they wanted to but he won't even do that yeah all he had to do was go home and say hey bannerman you fight with renly well it's uh this is it's funny because i think back to first the first season and i think back to the Baylor episode where ned where you keep thinking if you're a first time viewer like oh surely he's going to get out of this somehow and it's like have you not seen sean bean and everything he dies at the beginning <laughs> that's what happens yeah <laughs> right nobody was surprised when robert died that guy's clearly going down yeah so um but this honestly this is the episode upon which the entire story pivots right this is the moment where ned has many 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 choices he could make to get a different result and to make things harder for Cersei. And he talks a good game at the beginning of the episode and he makes all the wrong decisions because he's so focused on what's right or what's the law and not on who's got power. And hey, it's in the title of the episode. Um, When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. He's not playing the game that she's playing and that's why she wins and he dies. And that's Game of Thrones explained. (laughs) Ned Stark brought a knife to a throne fight, and that's where it all went wrong. He actually, (laughs) Littlefinger brought the knife. Yeah, as to quote to quote a song that I'm actually rather fond of, Ned brought a lemon to a knife fight. That's what he did. (laughs) It's no good. It's not. It just stings a little and is annoying, and then you die. Um, Well, we have reached the end of this week's Game of Thrones flashcast three more to go three more to go bad things are going to happen in all of them but uh we will be back next week for that i want to thank all of my wonderful guests for talking about game of thrones again this week brian hamilton thank you oceans rise empires fall (laughs) soon the white walkers will kill Kill us us all and when push comes to shove i will send a bunch of angry dragons to rain terror from above i could go on it's the game of thrones game a game a game of game of thrones the game of game of thrones thrones. okay well miranda's gonna sue us monty ashley thank you I still don't think any of these dopes would be a very good king, except for Cersei. Yep, yep, that's the Monty, yeah, or Roz. Let's get Roz in there. Um, and Kelly Gamont, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to come back for the musical episode. Mm, oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> the bar is set high now. Uh, and thanks to everybody out there for joining us on the Game of Thrones Rewind of Season 1. We'll be back next week with more. I've been your host, Jason Snell. Goodbye. Goodbye.